ladies and gentlemen, this is the Relationship Center on the Edify Podcast Network, and I'm glad that you've tuned in. My name is Ernest Wamboye, and today we are continuing with our series on God-centered decisions. We've been looking at the new year, and we've been asking ourselves, how can our decisions be made to the glory of God? And we want to do things differently. We don't want to have the same results because we do things the same way. We don't want to have the same old year because we stick to the same old routine. If you want different results, you have to do things differently. And today we're going to talk about how we as believers can have better decisions in our lives for this year. And it's not a just it's not just a decision for the year 2023. It's a it's, it's, it's not just a strategy, rather, for 2023. It's a strategy for the rest of life. It's a life strategy that if you want to have God-centered decisions, if you want to have decisions that, that thrive, decisions that drive you towards true success, you must consider these things. And last week, we talked about the importance of a Christian having an intimate relationship with the Word of God because the Word of God is the refine of our decisions. And we say that the word of God is necessary for us to be guided so that we don't make decisions out of our own flesh. You know, the Bible says, do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than him. It also says, do you see a man who is hasty in speech? There is more hope for a fool than him. When we are wise in our own eyes, it means we do not refer to the authority of God's word. We believe that we can be our final authority, our own alphas and omegas. And when we are rash in our speech, it's because we don't consider what God has to say. We rush to say what we want. Our minds want what we want. And that is that that, that is living for self. And the Bible says that if we do that, then we are <laughs> we are fools. In fact, not just fools, we are worse than a fool. There is more hope for a fool than for us. Far be it that there is more hope for a fool than for a follower of Jesus Christ. Far be it. Far be it. And today we continue with our series and we want to talk about the importance of community as far as making decisions is concerned. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I am I I, I get heartbroken whenever I meet people in my office, whenever I uh, interact with people, and I find out that they've lived a life without community and many of these people are followers of jesus christ and somehow the enemy has managed to convince them that they can have a lone ranger christian life that they can they can soar through life they can cause through life without having intimate relationships with other people without having close associations with members of the body of christ and that they can actually thrive and survive and even live successfully without people now it's it it hurts it hurts to hear those stories. It hurts when those stories come from married men and married women who are going through trouble in their marriages, and perhaps it's a woman who would tell me, "Honest, please, um, you need to talk to my husband." And I ask the woman, "What's going on? Oh, he's doing this and doing that. He's incorrigible. He's difficult. He." I know he doesn't listen to me. We are having a tough time. Now he's gone out with his friends of his. They are bad company for him. You know, he started some weird behavior and, and she's distraught. And the first thing I ask her is, who, who are his friends? Who are his Christian community? 
Um, this man claims to be a Christian, doesn't he? Oh, yes, he does. Um, okay, um, who keeps him accountable? And the woman says, no one. Um, okay, so who calls him out when he misbehaves? No one. And I ask, who gives him wisdom and counsel for life? No one. And perhaps she may say something like, oh, well, when it comes to business, he's got a business mentor. Uh, he's got a mentor who speaks into his business. So as far as money is concerned, he needs community. He's he's very fast to get community as far as money is concerned because he knows he'll grow in that area. But when it comes to life, nobody. Who is his pastor? Oh, he doesn't even talk. His, he doesn't have a relationship with his pastors. And I ask, what about his dad? Oh, he doesn't have a relationship with his dad. What about his friends? Does he have a best friend? Oh, but they are, they're involved in those kinds of funny activities together. And basically nobody calls them out. And I ask them, who, who then can this man listen to? And she says, his mother. And I think his mother, his mother will not help you. If this man calls himself a Christian, where is his Christian company? I speak to men who say, unless my wife is uh, doing some funny behaviors, she's... Um, She's involved in this group of ladies. I don't like what she's doing. Um, you know, I'm trying to talk to her. She won't listen, you know. Uh, and perhaps she feels because she's got more money than me that I have no say over her life. And so I ask her, who, who talks to this woman? Who calls her out? Who keeps accountable? No one. Who helps this woman thrive as far as her decisions concerning her faith is concerned. No one, this woman does what she wants. Nobody gives her counsel. Nobody advises her. Nobody directs her. Nobody does all these things. And I ask the man, how do you get married to a woman who does not belong to a community? And the assumption for many of these people, let's start with the married people, is that since they have each other, that's sufficient. Oh, what a lie from Satan they have bought. Who climb and sink her? And at times I meet people even who are not married who say they've lived their entire Christian life, they 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 go to church, yes, but they don't belong to, uh, they don't know people personally. I ask them, is there anyone who really knows you thoroughly? And they say, oh, no, 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 there's nobody. Um, and so you're going through this time when you're feeling depressed, you're feeling suicidal, who are you going to talk to? Oh, I can't talk to anybody because it's going to be a scandal, you know. I, I can't have people, um, I can't have people know this about me. And guys, these are just some of the stories. And when you look at all of them, you just see that the enemy's lie has been bought. That you can be a Christian without community. Oh, what a lie. Oh, what a big lie. Oh, what deception. That you can thrive as a Christian without other people. And when you ask these people, why won't you, why won't you engage in community? Now, people have got several reasons. Some people saying, well, honest, you know, I've been hurt in the past. I've been hurt by people in the faith or I've been hurt by friends. So because of that, I decided to do it alone. And I'm thinking, that's not wisdom. <laughs> that is not wisdom. Just because one person or a few people failed you does not mean that you write off the entire wisdom of God. And we're going to look at God's wisdom very soon from his scriptures. We're going to look at how the Bible says that we cannot live without community. We, we we cannot live without it. And some people say that. They say, oh, I've been hurt, therefore I decided to do it alone. And I ask them, how's that going for you? And it's not going well. And for some of them, they believe, oh, it's going great. It's going perfectly. 
well, it's just a matter of time before you understand that it's not going to go well. You don't sail far if you sail alone. You don't make much progress with time when you decide to go it alone. Because the Christian faith was never made to be expressed as individuals. It was meant to be expressed in community. And some people say, oh, I'm afraid of being judged. I'm afraid of I'm afraid of um, listening to other people's issues and I'm afraid of people listening to my issues and judging me. Well, I say, um, then you really don't know what the Christian faith is all about. Because the whole idea of the Christian faith is that we are Christians because God has seen the darkness of our sin and he has loved us. God has seen the darkness of our failures and he has accepted us. God has seen how far we have fallen short of his glory and he has not used it against us. And God has his faithful people. And so you find that we are controlled by fear. And I tell such people, you are controlled by fear. You are not controlled by the grace of God. And the truth is that you are disobeying God because you are afraid. Fear is your master. Christ is not your master at that moment. Fear is your Lord. Christ is not your Lord at that moment. You must ask yourself, have you given yourself the opportunity? Have you given yourself the chance to experience community? There are many people who have never experienced community. And all they do is that they keep to a lifestyle where they've lived by themselves because of what they've had from other people. Which is quite unfortunate. Which is very unfortunate. And finally, the other reason why you find Christians operating as lone rangers is pride. You find that we are too proud to associate with others because we think we are better than them. We think we are above them. We think that we don't need them. We actually think that we are superior to them. Or um, we actually think that we are more efficient as individuals without them. And so we've managed to tell ourselves that we really are superstars. Oh, what a lie. What pride, what hubris, what deception to imagine ourselves better than others. Or we even think that um, we don't have much problems. The ones who have got problems, those are the ones who need community. Oh, what pride. What pride in our hearts to believe that we can exist without Christian community, without true friendship. And so I want you to see what the Bible says concerning uh, just Christian community and, and you know, uh, unity with fellow brethren in the faith. Psalm 133 verse 1 says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Second Corinthians 13 verse 11 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. You can't encourage one another if you're not part of community. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Look at what Paul says, that God's peace and love will be with us when we are together. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 2, Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. I've been told in Colossians 3.14, over all these virtues put on love which binds us, which binds them all together in perfect unity. That God wants us bound together in perfect unity. Romans 12, 
For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs all to the others. Romans 12.16 Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Look at that. Be willing to associate with people of low position. And that's the pride I was talking about. That we 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 believe other people are inferior to us and we cannot associate, we cannot associate with them. And the Bible says, do not be conceited, do not be full of yourself. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. That is Romans 14:9, mutual edification. God does not just want you to be edified as a believer alone in your bedroom. <laughs> He wants mutual edification. And the truth is that those who avoid community invite immaturity. It's the truth. Those who avoid community invite immaturity. Or those who avoid community remain immature. Because community helps you grow. You see, even when people hurt you, you've got two choices. You could choose to remain immature and say, I can't believe I was hurt. I can't believe this happened to me. I will never again trust my heart. You see, there's a degree of immaturity there where you are not conversant with the truth of this world. That in this world, people do get hurt. <laughs> All right? Part of maturity is saying, you know, yes, I did get hurt, but this is maturity. I'm going to work on that relationship. I'm going to let them know how they hurt me. I'm going to tell them that what they did was wrong. And we're going to talk it out. We're going to have a difficult conversation. And we're going to reconcile. And I'm going to realize that when they hurt me, I was surprised they did not know they hurt me. And so I've, I've grown up. I've matured. I realize it was not intentional. When you live in isolation, you think they meant it. They meant to hurt me. They meant to do this. They are evil. They are bad. I'm the good one. I'm the righteous one. Look at them. They are the evil ones. They are the ones who've got bad intentions. I'm so pure. Such immaturity. But community compels you to grow up. Com community compels you to mature. Community compels you to, to, to experience pain and to reconcile. And many people don't have, don't have reconciliation skills. And one of the things that community does is that it forces you to have reconciliation skills. That helps you when you get married. That helps you when you have children. <laughs> and if you have children and are married and you still live in isolation, oh, poor you, that you'd have such wonderful people around you, but you cannot reconcile or commit to them because you've not learned to grow up in community. Community compels you to grow up, but staying as a lone ranger keeps you in immaturity where you're conceited. It's all about you. It's all about what you feel, what you think, what you want, what you imagine. And so every pain is about you. So you magnify every pain and you are blind to the fact that you too have caused others pain. You see, when you come to community, you mature, you grow up. Because you realize that you can also hurt other people. And when they are hurt by you, they also come to you and they reconcile. Some people behave as if relationships that rub one another off the wrong way is a new thing. And so they, 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 they throw in the towel and they make these grandiose statements. I will never ever, I will never ever go to the church again. I will never ever trust pastors again. I will never ever trust women again. I will never ever trust men again. Guys, it's a hallmark of immaturity. It's a hallmark of immaturity because it, it reveals that we've got a low threshold 
for reconciliation and grace. God compels us to reconcile. And you'll discover that there are many people who they may have hurt you, but you may realize their hearts were pure. Their expressions were poor, but their motivations were pure. But you can never find out if you believe that you just need to stay all by yourself and live a solitary lifestyle. When you are mature, you even have discernment. You discern. The Lord gives all Christians a level of discernment. And through discernment, you understand, wait, this is not what it looks like. Um, I don't need to make a big deal out of this. This doesn't have to be big an, a big an issue as I'm making it out to be. I could humble myself. I could overlook offenses. There are some scriptures that you can never obey when you're in solitary, when you're living a solitary life. The Bible says, uh, blessed is he who overlooks offenses. You will never overlook offenses if you're not part of a community. You will never share in the mutual love of God if you don't share community, if you don't have community. Even the Trinity, God, three in one, is evidence of community. In the beginning, the Bible says, let us make man in his own image. You see God in community. And when God created the world, is it because he's lonely? Is it because he wants the company of Adam and Eve and the entire world? No. God is already full of this love in his community. And what is he doing? He's merely pouring it out to share it with others. And that's what happens when you belong to community, that you pour out this love to others because you're already filled with it. Look at what the Bible says uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Just as one body, though one has many parts, but all, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Is that what the Bible says? It says in Ephesians chapter 4, from verse 4 to 6, there is one body, one spirit, just as you are called to one hope, just as you are called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all in all. Look at what it says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 17, 27 rather, 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then when they come to see you or only hear about your absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. And look at Acts 4.32. All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed any of their positions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And that's the amazing thing. When you look at that verse in Acts chapter 4, that the, even the possessions of the early church, that's how the early church stood, community, that even their own money. Can you believe that? Their own money. Their own money was not used for their own personal benefit. It was used for the community. We live in a society today when we see fellow members in church in need and we have the ability to help them. We, we are quiet. We know that there are members in church who've got hospital bills that we can clear and it would not even dent our finances in any way. But we have learned to live in such isolation. The enemy has lied to us. Live in isolation. Come to church alone. Listen to the sermon alone. Go home alone. Live alone. Live a solitary lifestyle. Don't help others. Just be yourself. People will hurt you. Don't get involved with people. And then somehow we think that we are still Christians. Look at the early church. They were so involved in one another that they even shared their own money. Imagine, they didn't think my positions are mine. They said, no, it's ours. Such community. Now, this is not a call for socialism. <laughs> Let's still think that. But it's a call for unity and sacrifice.
We are always thinking, what can I get? What can I get? What can I get? What can be done for me? Me, me. Listen to what Jesus says. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul quoted Jesus when he said that in the book of Acts chapter 20. It is more blessed to give. Give than to receive. Listen to what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 32 verse 30. Look at this principle. One person cannot chase a thousand people. Okay? And two people, um, um, sorry, let me just read this well, okay? All right. So one person cannot chase a thousand people, and two cannot fight ten thousand unless their rock has sold them, unless the Lord has given them up. So you find that when the Lord is in our midst, okay, you cannot succeed alone. And conversely, when the Lord is in our midst, from Deuteronomy 32, 30, one can chase a thousand, but two can chase ten thousand. You would think that the principle there would be one can chase a thousand, two can chase two thousand. No, two can chase ten thousand. Look at what community does. It empowers us. Do you have a community? Let's get a bit practical. Do you belong to a local church? Do you belong to a local Bible-believing church? If you don't, you're not going to make God-centered decisions because God's plan for salvation is a church. God's plan to save this world is a church. God does not have another plan. God is not going to raise something new. God is not going to start something new. And so, in fact, you need to be aware of people who say, oh, there's something new that God is doing uh, apart from the church, you know. God is done with the church. He's doing something new through us, you know. Guys, God's plan is the church. It's always been church. Upon this rock he has set the church and the kingdom of hell, Hades, shall not prevail over it. And so do you belong to a local church? Do you belong to an intimate community of believers, even if it's not within that local church, but in your home area, because, or, or perhaps in your circle of friendships? Because some, some local churches are huge, right? So I want to believe that you belong to a local church where you're known by your church leadership, okay? And I would ad advise you to belong to a local church where the leadership knows you. And if it's a big church uh, and leadership is cascaded, that you serve in a ministry, you participate, you serve in that church, and the people there know you. But also beyond that, you belong to a small group of believers, friends. Do you have an intimate group of believers who know you through and through? Who know your strengths, your weaknesses, who know you, who can help you, who can pray with you, whom you can be vulnerable to? Do you have that? Do you have that? Do you have regular interactions with believers or are those interactions rare? Do you have constant interactions with men and women in the faith? Ladies and gentlemen, you cannot make those decisions that will glorify God. You cannot make God-centered decisions. You cannot thrive apart from community. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Relationship Center on the Edify Podcast Network. I pray that it has blessed you. For this and more great podcasts that will build your faith and inspire you, please head over to www.edify.app, that is E-D-I-F-I.app. Or you could search for the Edify app on the Google or the Apple Play Store. We'll see you next time. Music